Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're going to talk about Babylon 5 Season 3, the first three episodes, right? We're on Episode 1, 2, and 3. So we just finished Season 2 uh, last week, and this time we're doing A Matter of Honor, Convictions, and A Day in the Strife. So uh, I guess we'll start with A Matter of Honor, and I should say at the outset of this, I didn't get much sleep, so I might be mixing up some of my scenes from the episodes, uh, but I'm sure Adam will correct me if I do. So, all right, Adam, uh, what happened in, uh, in episode one? Episode one, uh, I think it's off to a pretty good start. We have uh, a new character, Marcus, shows up at Babylon 5, and uh, there's a, uh, a couple of threads going on. There's a uh, Londo trying to break away from the shadows, not wanting anything to do with them anymore. So he's trying to blow Morden off and end their agreement, which also ties into Morden wanting a certain planet left alone for the shadows, which turns out to be a ranger training camp that uh, they want to they wanna wipe out. And, uh, and Marcus is basically trying to get help from Babylon 5 to get all the rangers out of there before it's destroyed. And uh, which also leads further into another development, which is a new custom uh, combination Vorlon Minbari technology ship called the White Star that uh, Sheridan now has access to. So he's uh, having a having a starship at his disposal again makes him a very happy person. But yeah, those are the uh, various threads going on here. So what did you think of this episode? Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I love the stuff with the White Star. I love sort of the expansion of the world where, you know, we have uh, Marcus coming in. And I think, is this, is, was it the end of this episode where he sort of convened the council and said, this is how things are going to operate going forward? Yeah, the War Council, um, yes. I, I enjoyed uh, Londo trying to push Morden away. I, I, also, uh-huh. I also don't think that's going to work out for him and it, and it clearly it was pretty clear <laughs> that they they're they're just as happy to go right to Rifa. so um, yeah that, that was a huge backfire there yeah. that that's exactly what Lardo didn't want to happen <laughs> so um yeah i thought i thought this was a this was like a really again it's the first episode so it's not like you know it's the it's i felt like we were building to things but we we also learned a lot this episode we learned more about the book of jaquan or at least I learned something. Maybe maybe it had been mentioned before, but I didn't realize it was uh, copied by hand from the original. It was sort of the at least that's what they say. Um, I think that know. may have been a new fact. I can't recall. Yeah, but. I, I mean, it's, it's these are the sort of things they might. I have a feeling a lot of them have been mentioned before, and I might just be noticing now that they're you know sort of on my radar. Um, yeah, but yeah. but I kind of like that. I was because because the book is your quan. It looks handwritten. And I was always kind of uh-huh. wondering about that. I'm like, well, he can't possibly have like a an original text from you know that. I mean, I know he's an That's ambassador. That's Jaquan's copy. He wrote yeah. it himself. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool prop, definitely. Yeah. I like. I no. love the way the Book of Jaquan looks. No, I like the prop, but I like the explanation because otherwise you're left with either he's got an original, or he's got a really really old version for some reason by hand, or they don't have print technology for some reason. Or uh, they have print technology, and they've just chosen to, you know, do it in the style of an old handwritten text. I liked that these are each copied by hand, and it, and, it, and that's sort of part of the sacred nature of the writing, it seems. That's a cool way to preserve it. 
Um, and it's something that you still, you know, you, you see that with the, you know, like stuff like the Quran and stuff where they still sometimes do the calligraphy type uh, type writing with it. And so it kind of felt yeah. like a real world type thing to me. Um, but, uh, but also the, uh, um, I noticed that Ivanova was narrating the intro this time. Um, yeah, new credits. I forgot to mention that. That's, uh, yeah. What'd you think of the new opening? So here's the funny thing. Who does the music to this? Uh, Christopher Frankie from, uh, Tangerine Dream. Okay. Cause I've been having a very weird reaction to the music. When I first heard this song, I, I, I wrote down, this intro sucks. Like, that was my note. And then I really? deleted it when I got to, by the time I got to episode three. And I think the reason why was, and I, and I had the same exact reaction to season two, where I, where I felt like this does not match up to the previous season's music. I think there's something going on with the volume, where I couldn't hear the melody or the bass line very well yeah. until I heard it three times. And then by the time I got to the third one, I really enjoyed it. But the but it, it, I don't know why it just it didn't sound it, like music initially to me. It just sounded like sound, and then I heard it after I got accustomed to it. No, I, I will say that I I usually watch this show with like Sennheiser headphones on, like really super expensive headphones, <laughs> and and there are times where I do just listen to it on my TV speakers, mm-hmm. and that that <laughs> the music sounds much much cooler when you listen to it on the good headphones than when i just listen to it on my tv speakers so i use use a bose but the bose is very low register so it might not be picking up quite as much of the the higher end stuff and and i am and the thing that i seem to be missing out a lot was the melody like that melody line i was not picking up on like i heard music i just was it just sounded very low and uh but i also was missing the bass line so i i don't know i don't know what I think it just might be a question of where they chose to put the settings, you know, like how they mixed it. And uh, it just seemed a little, I really think it should be more bombastic. Do you know what I mean? Like not that they not that they I need think to... it is pretty bombastic. I, I, it comes through as very bombastic uh, to me, but I don't know. It's, no, I uh... think the melody is bombastic. What I'm saying is the volume is not, it's not oh, okay. Right. Oh, okay. You wanted it to be louder. I want to be able to hear the bombast, and I feel like I'm straining to hear it. Maybe it's gotcha. my machine. Do you know what I mean? Maybe my computer is not is not doing. It. But all that said, this has been a really long detour for very little dividends. <laughs> but all that said, I like it. It's just that it took me a while to realize I liked it because I couldn't hear the bass line and the melody, and I needed to get those two things together to sort of understand what they were trying to do with the music. Yeah. You know what I mean. And so yeah. now it's like, okay, I get it. Like, I get what mood they're doing. <laughs> you get what they're yeah. doing. I, yeah, I'll say one more thing on the uh, opening, too, before we uh, zip along, which is that something I never noticed before on this watch through is during uh, uh, the long Twilight struggle, the episode where the, where the Narn lose the war, the music during the battle that the uh, Narn lose, where, where they're getting wiped out by the shadows and that, that, that's, almost identical to this opening sequence you know i I, music i I was like i was just like hey that's the season three opening credits music when i was watching last last season so it's a it's an interesting thing they're evoking with the music just the 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 loss of the nar is kind of being being called back to with that but yeah and also, I like the whole... This Was was this the episode where they sent the... Not the ambassador, but like an investigator to Babylon 5 to... Um, uh, 
Uh, oh, you do ask about the shadows. Yes, yes this yes. was that episode too. I, it, I, yeah, I, I like that plot line a lot. I don't know why. I just really I, number one. I like that guy. He was just really sort of. He just kind of. <laughs> I don't know. He again. He's because one, one of the things that sometimes gets annoying in these shows is all of the people from Earth will be bad. Do you know what I mean? And it's sort of like we were talking about before. We're like, no, some of them are good. They just are, you know, they're putting good people in the in in, in yeah. positions that where they can be exploited. And so this guy didn't seem like a nefarious person. He seemed sincerely to be interested in what he was doing. And so uh-huh. he wasn't like, he wasn't super, super suspicious when he got there. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't like, oh, well, clearly Sheridan's up to no good. So I'm going to go, you know, he, he, he was really more clueless than anything else about things. And so, yeah. And even the fact it's like, I don't think he buys their story about where they were, and he, but it's not his business. He's just like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever. You know, it's like, he's, yeah, I, I, I like that too. And at the first you're not sure early in the episode you're not sure if he's going to be this jerk but as the episode wears on you're like no he's just the guy that's trying to find information he's he's just deficient you know wants to get wants to talk to people and that's it and he's he gets a little put out at you know when when he when he gets stood up and stuff but yeah there's he's he just seems to be a good guy but as soon as garibaldi starts showing him around he you know it smooths it right over <laughs> and uh and i thought that yeah. the uh i like how that ended where they go he goes back to the senator and you kind of knew this was going to happen because they 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 shoot it in a way where morden sort of comes in <laughs> you only see like his back you don't see who he is and you're like well it could only be more like who else it's going to be him or like bester and so I I I like I, you know I like that development. I like that we now see okay the shadows have influence in a lot of places and who knows you know maybe that explains some of what was going on in the Great Council for example I don't know um, but you know there's I, now I'm wondering about that. Uh, well, it, it also go, going back to Morden's first episode. Something people wondered at the time is well how come Morden didn't talk to talk to Sinclair at all? How come he didn't try and influence him? It's like oh he already had Earth. <laughs> he, he wasn't that was never a concern it's like earth was already in his pocket so you know which yeah it makes sense him being you know them having human agents and all that and i but yeah I, it's never been made explicit till now and i really kind of like morden's style at first i did find him perplexing but then when they explained him more i i started to understand him and i like when when londo is trying to you know disentangle himself from morden and morden <laughs> you know he just has a style about him that's not, it's not like it's it's very it's it, it's a, it's a little bit sleazy and very sort of salesman like do you know what i mean he's got sort of a you know he he he's always a little bit likable no matter you know no matter what he's doing and and uh yeah uh, and, and, and 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 he he's I don't know. Again, my dad was a sales trainer and this guy would have made a very good salesman. You know, he's a very effective, yeah. you know, pitch man. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I, I like that part of it. But but I think the, the heart of the episode is obviously the uh, the white star and, uh, you know, sort of, you know, trying to, to, to break that blockade for the for the Rangers. Um, and I thought that was cool. It was kind of uh, I guess it was, uh, you know, Number one, they, they reminds you that you know Sheridan is a uh, um, is a is 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 really good tactician, and mm-hmm. and uh, and and so you know I thought I thought that was a cool maneuver that they had him pull off in the. Uh, yeah, I, I like the whole the whole sequence in the you know the land notices that the shadows miss them, and she's like, well, they shouldn't 
be missing with their technology, you know, and which, you know, Sharon then picks up on, oh, they're clearly, they want to follow us. They're trying to scare us away so they can see who they are because we don't know who we are, which also makes the shadows look smart because mm. they're, you know, they said, they're, they're, oh, there's an unfamiliar ship. So it's, it makes both sides look smart to an extent, you know, rather than, rather than doing the typical thing shows do where they make one side look smart by making the other side look completely idiotic and, you know, well, it, yeah, I, I thought I thought everything about that worked very well, and and dramatically it worked too because I really didn't know if it was going to work or not. I because I, I could because they were building up Sheridan's whole thing where you know he's he, you know he's yeah. his history, and I was like, well, maybe this is the moment where it all blows up in his face, and he's just super mm-hmm. confident, and he's about to he's about to like really you know get a heavy dose of humility, um, you know maybe like maybe Lanier's going to die or like half the crew will get wiped out or something. Like I didn't think they would. I didn't think that that him and Delenn were in peril, but uh, I, you know, anything, yeah. have, anything else could have happened. So it yeah. really worked dramatically for me, and uh, and and actually, I was kind of concerned for Lanier because uh, you know this isn't the, uh, and we'll, we'll resume this because Lanier is he's had a couple of uh, a couple of moments this season that have me a little concerned uh, if they're gonna if they're gonna off him. Um, so yeah, and this was one of them. Um, <laughs> he's having a rough season so far so but, uh, <laughs> so i guess we should get into convictions next um unless you had any sure. other thoughts on this one. Uh, actually i do yeah um I'll, i i like the scene with londo talking to uh to uh oh, what was his name uh to david and dawi which is uh you know where it comes up the Londo has never actually seen a shadow ship it's kind of funny because he's so tied to the shadows more than anyone and but yeah it's like when he sees the ship he's like oh that's the ship from my dream it's like you know so it's like he recognizes it but not for the reason you think he would recognize it i thought that was a a very very interesting uh development there that, that kind of i you know i always have seen the show before i kind of had forgotten that now it's just like wow that's right <laughs> no I, I i agree because because i thought when he did i thought we were going to get this thing where a look of like like Londo is going to start looking side to side and be like, no, no, I've never seen a ship like that. And instead yeah. he has this interesting moment um, and he doesn't seem to fully realize the gravity of, of it. Um, so, oh. Oh, that's, yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoyed that scene. I thought that worked well. And uh, also they mentioned the Mimbari drink thing again, which uh, I kind of like because I know that came up. Uh, when when Lanier and uh, and Londo went to the bar together, oh of course, that they yeah. Going to psychotic rages, and I, and I was wondering, is that never going to come up again, or are we going to hear from? Because that was a really interesting detail, but it's also the kind of detail in these shows that can sometimes get buried if they don't keep track of it. And so, I was glad to see it reemerge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that actually. Once again, I, it's something I detail I didn't remember. So as soon as they got in the bar and the drinks were set down, I'm like. Did they remember the alcohol thing? Is that going to come up? Uh, and yeah, and they did it. So good for them. But yeah, I think I, I think I'm ready to go on to convictions now. So. Okay. So this is sort of, I guess, the um, like the speed episode of. Uh, yeah, it was very very '90s in that respect. But, uh, <laughs> but it was it was terrorism, but like '90s terrorism. Do you know what I mean? It was. Yeah. We had a whole different relationship with it back then. And, uh, and so it's basically like a mad bomber, uh, you know, uh, blowing up stuff on the ship. At first I thought it was smuggled weapons that had blown up. I, I was, uh, but why don't you tell the plot? Because this is, 
I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sure. Uh, well, we have. I mean, the, the initial thing we have happening is we're, you know, it's established that Babylon Five is now this religious pilgrimage site for aliens all across the galaxy are all coming there because of this visitation by, uh, you know, well, by what, who was really Kosh. Not that most people know that. So that's that's been kind of a change to the nature of the station. And, uh, you know, we, we see one group of monks and specifically Brother Theo is introduced in this episode. And uh, but, yeah, we also have this string of rapid string of terrorist bombings going on and no one knows why. There's no one taking responsibility. And like you say, it's 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 definitely very 90s terrorism where it's this just mad bomber guy kind of thing. But I, I you know, which. You know, it's a, like I say, it was a very, very Hollywood thing at the time. At least they kind of acknowledge that it's an odd thing. They're like, you know, it's like, you know, well, there's always, you know, usually almost always some political message behind this thing. And they're at least looking for that, even yeah. if it turns out not to be the case. And the guy's just kind of a boring kind of thing. But whatever, I'll get to that later. But uh, yeah, but we have that. Of course, the other other important threat in this episode is Jakar and uh, Londo getting trapped in an elevator due to the bombing too. That's yeah, uh, that was another notable aspect. I had some thoughts on that for sure. And Lanier gets blasted in one of the early oh, blasts in a coma yes. the whole time. And he has a moment with Londo. Londo, he saves Londo's life and Londo feels yeah. genuinely <laughs> bad. And, uh, and I think also the fact that he and Londo kind of bonded before was, you know, a fact I, I'm really intrigued by this. I'm very intrigued by how they they really do play up Londo's relationships with people, and they yeah. clearly mean something to his character. He's not just, again, you know, it it doesn't seem like much now because this is more the norm. But back then, I remember a lot of shows. If somebody went evil, they would just go full evil. They wouldn't, you know, their friends would be chucked out the window. They wouldn't. Those attachments would be uh, discarded fairly quickly. And I think it's interesting to watch him deal with these attachments and and sort of the consequences. Of, uh, yeah. Of, of, well, it's. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where, you know, like you say, in an older show around that time, you'd have the epi- you would have the episode where where hey, let's have Londo and Lanier go around and do stuff together and get into shenanigans, but it would never be mentioned again. It's yeah. like those two characters would just go back to being strangers again after that episode. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the difference. It's like yeah, that that. You know, that, that kind of goofy kind of plot that was going on there matters in this show. So, yeah, yeah, the, the, this is a show. This show has memory of itself and it really sh- it shows and it doesn't overstate it. It doesn't, you know, there, there was no like Londo going, hey, remember the time? When? <laughs> it wasn't that kind of a thing. It was just you knew that that mattered. You knew that it was relevant to what was going on. And, yeah. uh, and I and I like that. Um, and I also uh I also, again, you know, concerned for Lanier's uh, well-being and safety now because this is like the second time that he's been knocked to the ground by an explosion, and I'm wondering if they're sort of foreshadowing something. But, uh, um, but, but the the Jakar and Londo in the elevator thing—that was great. That was that, <laughs> and I thought that was going to suck. I thought that was going to be the worst. Like I was like, oh, I know where they're going with this. This is going to blow. Um, you know, I I, I thought it was going to be them coming to an understanding and working together nope. somehow, you know, cause that's how, <laughs> and, and it was interesting that it was basically the, the cool part of the situation is the, the, you know, 
Londo gets gets knocked out and he wait he awakens and he realizes your car's been sitting there just watching him and he's one and he asks why didn't you just kill me you know and I know you want to kill me and like and yeah. and Jakar's like you know you forget you know if I if 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 any any Narn kills a Centauri you kill what is it 500 500 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah you know so he says i can't he says but i don't need to because you know things are going to take care of themselves we're both going to die here i get to watch you die and, <laughs> and it was it was a really interesting choice for what like how to have that character react to that situation um it yeah. was it was it was probably the most interesting thing they could have done with the situation in in my opinion um, yeah, no, you're right. It, I, you know, I, I knew the way it was going to go. So I kind of forgot what, I, you know, how hackneyed it could have been. I can see why you you, were, you had the initial thought of, oh, no, uh, here's the episode where Londo and Jakar learn, learn to trust each other <laughs> and, and become friends. <laughs> uh, I, I have a grudging respect for you now. It's <laughs> the kind of thing. But uh, yeah, which which would have been terrible at this point in the story for sure. But uh, I, yeah, I I don't know if, if it, yeah, that 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 did work for me. That the bombing thing, yeah, the bombing thing I think was the weakest part of the plot. I mean, it obviously it's there. You don't you don't get the other plot threads without it. It's the reason you get the whole Lanier story. It's the reason you get the whole elevator story. Uh, I just didn't care about that dude at all. You know, yeah. I was just like, okay, just during the whole negotiation, like, like, just, just uh, wrap it up. He, he's not going to get away with it. Just, I, I don't care about his little speech about, oh, you know, things were really hard for me. I don't care. And yeah, he, he didn't um, have a lot of weight. That character, he wasn't, he uh, wasn't, he needed another ingredient or something to give him, you know, he, he. He, he he could have, he could have been more entertaining I think as a as a villain I, and yeah I I feel like on one level I kind of respect the choice they made in that he was just this pathetic loser uh-huh. <laughs> you know which is which is which is you know a different thing than you know make you know it's a lot of times you know in the nineties you'd make the bad guy ultra and he'd be the most interesting character yeah. in the story, you know, that, you know, you'd be like fascinated by him. And so I kind of respect the decision to just make him this pathetic loser, but, you know, but, then but you just ended up thinking he was a pathetic loser. And yeah. Really, it wasn't you know? entertaining. It's yeah. like, okay, that was, that was a relevant choice that just ended up not working. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I had a similar reaction. I think the other part too, is it just felt, I don't know. Uh, having Sheridan go in personally, I, I felt was a an. I know he's supposed to be a brave captain. I know they want him in the middle of the action, but I, I yeah, I, I feel like sometimes the captain stays behind and sends people, <laughs> in and and I think they must have had something. They they must have. I don't know. I feel like there would have been another angle. Um, and then there was a whole discomfort of of of, uh, of Sheridan having to stick his uh, his mic in his uh, you know in his in his rectal cavity. Uh, in order to, you know, get in there without <laughs> yeah. him knowing that things were being recorded, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he probably didn't need that, but uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's one of those episodes where elements of it, you know, don't work, but it, the, the good parts are good enough that I think it saves the episode. It's, yeah, no. Uh, and- yeah, and I and I liked the Jakar and Londo parts. I liked the um, uh, I liked the whole thing with Lanier and 
I mean, even the bombing stuff was interesting. It's just when it got to the reveal, it became uninteresting. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they had those uh, monks that were on board who helped them solve who it was. And I thought that was pretty cool. I thought the way that they solved the, the identity of the bomber was interesting. Yeah. I like that they brought the monks in. I questioned the wisdom of bringing in monks who had just arrived on the ship, um, given that they could have yeah. been involved in the plot. <laughs> they could have been yeah. the bombers, yeah. yeah. But, but. I, I thought it was cool. And... uh and I, and I thought the monks were interesting. I was actually thinking the monks were going to be the ones behind it. That was sort of where my brain was going uh, okay. with the story. Um, but I'm glad they didn't go that way because I think that would have been too obvious of a twist. And Yeah. And, oh, yeah. That, that the old, you know, which, which character is guilty? It's the character that's the, the guest star, you yeah. know, kind of thing. That, that would have, yeah, that would have been the simple answer. And but so, and, and, and I liked, I liked the difficult, you know, just the, the, the challenges that these bombings presented on the ship in terms of security and all that. But, uh, I just feel like, you know, once we got to the bombing, like you said, it kind of, uh, the guy, the guy, I think also the acting didn't help that character. I think if, 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 if I, if, if it was somebody who was capable of getting me to be a little more empathetic towards the bomber somehow, when, so when, when he was talking about his pathetic life, I, I at least felt something like, I feel like if you had, a, um, who's the guy that played, uh, um, uh, Walter White in Breaking Bad. Uh, Cranston. Oh my God. Cranston. Yeah. I can't remember his first name. Brian. But, Brian yeah. Cranston. Brian. Yeah. He would. He would, Someone like him, I think, could have pulled it off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But this guy. Yeah, I was, agree. The acting wasn't that great the, for that guy. This, this too... guy reminded me a little bit of. I don't know. There was something goofy about him that just was. He would, he would just he would just go from being kind of quiet to doing those loud shouty bits yeah. and it just it was just like eh. yeah I, I did not like that performance but you're right with the with, with the right with a better with a better uh, actor in that role I think I think that that part actually might have worked by someone who just could have could have really brought the patheticness of the character home but that guy was not the one. <laughs> And so, I don't know, do you have any more thoughts on, uh... Uh, yeah, I, I do, actually. I have one more thought, which is that it is just, you know, going 90s technology versus today's technology prediction thing, which is, it is, you know, the thing they bring the monks in for, it's like, well, how are we going to recognize all these faces, you know, and stuff, and it's like... I'll load them up to Facebook. I don't know. It's just, it's like the easiest thing in the world yeah, today. It's yeah. like facial recognition. It's just like, it's, it's just, it's just not, not that it's a flaw in the show in any way. It's just kind of funny that we've come, we've come so far in that area in such a short time. But it's, it's just something we all have at our disposal now. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, that's definitely, no, and it definitely show in a science fiction show where they're supposed to be ahead of us, it's like even more pronounced because you would think, well, it's going to be even more advanced. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, like I said, it's, it's like, it's not something I can easily overlook, but it just kind of, it just kind of entertained me briefly. But yeah, I, other than that, I'm ready to move on to a day in the strife. Okay. Which, uh. Let's see. Yeah, in this one, we get into a, I guess, I guess, hmm, the two most significant big plots are this probe that shows up with a list of questions for them to answer to prove that they're worthy, you know, worthy, intelligent beings. And uh, we also have the new 
uh, a, a new guy coming, a new Narn coming from uh, their planet to take over Jakar's former position as the leader of the Narn there. And uh, that was the most was, interesting plot, by the way, in my view. That was yeah. the most interesting plot. And uh, yeah, and other than that, we've got the plot with a. Uh, you know, the doctor, good old Franklin's uh, Stim's plot line is kicking into full gear at this point now. It's, uh, but yeah, and, and of course, Talon, in the Narn plot too, we also have his bodyguards, Talon, who was the, uh, the episode, was in the uh, alien abduction episode. He comes back as a more fully fleshed out character. I think he gets a really good scene with Sheridan in this, too. I like that scene a lot. Which one was... I was getting some of the names mixed up. Which one was he again? Talon. He's the one who's got the... The sword? You know, and, uh... He's the one, you know, that meets with Sheridan. And, uh... And, you know, you know they, they talk about their time being abducted together and bond over it. And he has the good line about, you know, Sheridan saying, you know, I don't know what people would think if I showed up with a uh, Narn bodyguard, you know, my Earth Force spirits would think, and he's like, oh, they they think there is a man who will live to be a hundred. But yeah, I like Talon. He uh, he, uh, he 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 is actually a recurring character. Mm. And, uh, it was good to see him back in, you know, back from just being a guest star. But, yeah, I don't know. What did you think of the episode overall? I mean, I liked parts of it. I didn't like other parts of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the whole po- political storyline with the, you know, with the Narn. And and, uh, and I liked how that played out. I, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed sort of seeing uh, how Jakar's leadership among the Narn on Babylon 5 was, was preserved. And that the Centauri would basically sent this guy here. They had sent, was it, was it Talon or Nafar who they had sent as the, um, Nafar is the one they sent to be the new leader. Okay. Yeah. So he's the one he's kind of like, there's some, he kind of has like a, like a honey tongue type type thing going on, but he's also a reasonable guy. Like he's making fairly reasonable arguments. He's not just being manipulative. Um, no, I think, I think he was acting in good faith through the whole episode, which is what makes it compelling. If he was, if he was some snake, it, the episode wouldn't work as well. Yeah. Cause he, cause basically the Centauri are like Londo at one point, he, he brings Nafar in and he asks him how things are going and he's doing this partly to break Nafar's spirit, which sort of ties in with the Veer storyline that we'll probably get into. But, um, uh, but when he's talking to him, he says, how are the executions going? And you yeah. immediately are saying, well, whoa, what, what executions? Who's being executed? And I realized, oh, it must be all of those Narn. They said they were going to kill any time a, a Narn kills a Centauri. And, uh, and so yeah. uh, I like that that's, number one, that's playing out. That that, that, they, that that wasn't just something that they said, that we're actually starting to see it. And that it's a direct result of some of the stuff Jakar has been doing. So, you know, yeah. the, so there's like blood on Jakar's hands in a way. And, and, the, and the big question the episode is asking is, you know, you know, should Jakar be doing this or should he not be doing this? And and someone like Nafar is saying, look, we can't just let them, you know, mur- you know, every time you blow up stuff and kill people, they, they murder more of our, our, of our families. And and you sort of think, well, clear like that's going to be the thing that undermines Jakar's authority on the ship like that. You know, nobody's going to want their own family to be killed, but they but it, but it, but we learn over the course of the episode that they all pretty much agree with Shakar on this one. They, they, they yeah, you know, they understand that it's ugly, but 
they can't, you know, they're going to have to sacrifice, you know, Narn in order to win the war. Um, yeah, it's one of those situations where, you know, if, you know, I mean, you know, all those guys on, on Babylon 5 are kind of part of the resistance. And it's like, hey, if that trick works getting Jakar, they're just going to say, hey, if the rest of you don't, next week you're going to show up and say, if the rest of you don't all come here and be arrested, we're going to kill your families. So it's just, you know, it's it's kind of thing. Giving in would just get what they'd lose. They'd lose Jakar and then they'd, they'd continue to lose in that respect. And so... And immediately after that scene, uh, Londo turns to Veer, and Veer is, you know, thinks he's been too harsh with this Nafar character, and yeah. and 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 Londo is basically like, look, this is the way it is. Like we have to do this in order to to sort of get so that we don't repeat what happened before with the Narn rising up and all that stuff. And it's clear he doesn't want to repeat history, but it's also clear that Londo understands that Veer does not feel comfortable with any of this, and. Londo decides to ask Delenn to get. I think he set, wants to send him over to uh, Mimbar. Mimbari. Is Mimbar is where he's going? Yeah, yeah. To be basically to be the Mimbar ambassador to Mimbar is what he's uh, trying to set up. And again, I thought that was interesting because I feel like we're seeing Londo go down this dark, dark road, and they're not they're not shying from that. But we're not. He's still got these human attachments that are yeah. not human, Centauri attachments, I guess. But but attachments that are uh that make it more complex than him just being the super evil guy in the show um yeah and, it, and I, it, oh go ahead yeah it's like i kind of i kind of feel like at this point in the show that you know that you know i mean obviously londo is doing lots of evil things i feel it's like some degree he's kind of He's kind of, you know, I mean, I think it highlighted it during the first episode with uh, with Morden, where Londo's put himself in a position where he's already put these horrible people in power mm-hmm. and he can't just walk away at this point. It's not like, you know, so it's like he almost he almost has to keep being this this bastard just so he's got any chance of changing anything, like doing the thing of sending Veer off to be you know, part of Minbar. So I'm not saying he's, he's really a good guy or something, but I, I think there's, there's definitely shading going on. No, there is. Things. And there's the big question too, of how much of that is, 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 uh, is, is, uh, is also just for his own survival. Again, I think this stuff gets into some well, of the true, Claudius stuff, you know, in the I Claudius show, Claudius is the main character and he doesn't, he doesn't, he, he's a good guy, but he doesn't stop a lot of evil because just out of survival, you know, out of his desire yeah. to live. And he even says that like directly at, at a certain point. His mom reprimands him, and uh, and I and I and I sort of get a similar sense here with a lot of with a lot of what, the stuff going on with Londo. But I guess what I what sort of touched me with that that thing was sort of his relationship with Veer and how he's trying to prevent. He knows Veer is not going to survive. Like I think he knows yeah. Veer is going to get killed if Veer sticks around because Veer is going to open his mouth and <laughs> and Reef is going to have him executed somehow. Like it just you, you, you can see it, and and so yeah. he's, he's protecting Veer. Um, yeah, his, his conversation with Delenn was was really good too. I really really liked that scene a lot. You know, just wrapping up with you know, it's like oh, you know, I miss our talks. It's like we never talked. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I like how he pivots suddenly when she says that. He sort of, you know, he doesn't he doesn't let that become a moment of weakness for him. Um, yeah, you know, and so. I thought that I thought that was interesting. You know, she kind of she she tried to reprimand him with that, and all she really did was strengthen his resolve in whatever 
he's doing. Do you know what I mean? She sort of isolated yeah. him further. Um, so I thought that was intriguing. Um, yeah. But well, it's interesting too how he, you know, he 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 pivots during the middle of the conversation too. He goes from you know, oh, I'm doing this because Veer is you know just. Uh, you know, it's it's a good move for him. I'm just looking out for his career and a promotion and so on. And then he then he kind of then he for a while he starts to open up, and then you know, and then then he kind of shuts down again. It's like I just want Veer out of here. He's just this annoying guy. I want him out of my face. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, once again, it is something too. It is it is him calling in the favor that he owed the land too. So which is an interesting thing. And I like her reacts to initially. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna call in my favorite." She's like, "Oh no, what's this gonna be?" But, <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I I think that's a really really good development in the show on, on a lot of levels. And uh, I I did not like the probe plot. The probe plot was not really <laughs> my favorite thing in the world. It felt very yeah. Star Trek. And it speaking did. of which, we got a Picard reference. At the, um, at the, the start of the he told me that before I watched this episode and I I I I I I, I, try, I, I think I saw something because I was trying too hard to pick one up but I, maybe, I don't think maybe I, I misheard maybe I misheard I thought he said this uh, so Garibaldi was giving a story about something that happened to him on like some uh, alien sector and he said this Picard guy was following around and busting his chops maybe he said a different name and I heard Picard um, I don't know. I don't. I don't actually remember that part. So I'll, I, I we'll, can't we'll try say. To, we'll probably but, forget, but we'll try to check it between this and next episode and confirm it or, I, or reject the hypothesis that there was a Picard reference. Um, I, see, because I, I was looking so hard for a Picard reference. There's the one point where uh, where Ivanov is talking to Corwin. You know, at one point, you know, Corwin being you know her sidekick on the on the the command deck, and. After she's done talking, you know, Ivanova kind of jerks her belt to an extent. And I just thought of that thing Picard always does where he kind of, whenever time he stands up, he kind of pulls up his jumpsuit thing, you know, that people used to make fun of. You know, I say they used to call that the Picard maneuver as a joke. But uh, I, you know, so I saw like, wow, is she doing the Picard maneuver? But <laughs> I, but I thought, no, that's that's way too. Uh, no, this was I heard the name. But again, maybe I misheard. I have misheard things before. Um, yeah, it's pop. I I I just didn't pick up on that. But uh, but yeah, one thing you did pick up on that you uh, pointed out to me before I watched the episode that 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 you know enraged both of us was Doctor Franklin's eating habits. That was yeah. So that was... <laughs> I'm conflicted about the stim plot line because on the one hand I don't you know a, a character dealing with addiction is you know it can yeah. be annoying. On the other hand, it wasn't done too badly, and it makes a lot of sense, and they've been foreshadowing it forever. So, you know, I think it, you know, like there was that other doctor who even meant, you know, like you met that other woman who had a problem with stims herself, and that resulted in her, you know, having to get that alien artifact to 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 revive her career as a doctor. And, uh, and, yeah. and so, uh, you know, I feel like this has been in the air for a long time, and, and they've been planting it. Um, but I also feel like it, it sort of explains some of uh, Franklin's behaviors. Uh, you know, you know. I don't know how far back this goes, but for a little bit of time, at least, it, it, it explains some of the things he's been doing. And yeah, it does make sense for his character. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not thrilled at having an addiction plot because it is such a thing. But yeah, and it's, and at least it's only like 
you know, woven into the story. It's not like it's not like we're having a whole episode where we have to, you know, this is all about Franklin. This episode that that would would be a killer for me. And uh, and 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 Garibaldi's the one who sort of tries to confront him about it, and so he invites him over for pasta. And we already know Garibaldi like likes to cook Italian food. He's clearly he had an Italian father who used to cook, and <clears throat> Franklin. When he when they have these big giant bowls of pasta and Franklin cuts it into four quarters, he cuts a bowl of pasta into four quarters and just starts like you would cut a steak. And I've never seen anybody ever, and I'm not a pasta snob. I just never seen anybody approach pasta that way. That was the most it was the most aggressive pasta eating scene I've ever seen. And Franklin looked like either so I was theorizing either the guy that played him thought hey i'm on stims i'm just gonna like you know tackle this bowl of pasta um, yeah it's like or, a guy on a guy on meth taking a radio apart or something yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, or he just i don't know he, he never had eaten pasta before so i i don't know what it was but it, it yeah it was well, it, it, i mean along that lines it just could be the thing you know when you're when you're acting it's like you want to have you know the turby business that you're doing in the scene and it's like i you know it could have been like he felt he needed to be doing something with his hands you know and and you don't he couldn't actually eat the food because then he couldn't talk so you know he just it may have just been looking for something to do but uh but i feel like you know my biggest objection to it was I feel like Garibaldi would have been like, what the hell are you yeah, doing? Yeah, to the t- yeah. <laughs> it's like the fact that Garibaldi said nothing was that was the and, thing that made it hardest to, to watch. And there's always the possibility that pasta eating habits have changed in the intervening centuries. But that just seems like a really bad <laughs> development. If that's the yeah, case. people people don't eat pasta. Right. Would be uh, it would be crazy. Like I've, yeah, never, I, seen, I've I, never seen that. It was, you know. I would I, I, like I'm not I wouldn't have been picky if he like twirled it on his fork and cut it a little bit you know like I wouldn't have you know but like this is just <laughs> a, a, it was a lot it it was it was it was a lot to take in it was it was it was the like I had a I I, I don't know I, I was getting angry watching that um, <laughs> and so so yeah but the, the but overall you know this episode I don't know this was sort of a a hard episode to evaluate because um it's very fragmented well i really like the political what was that it's very fragmented between the different plots there's not one particularly strong plot among them yeah i'd say i'd say the jakar plot is really actually so yeah i did have a strong plot yeah i like that one i like the jakar plot i just i that was the only one that i was really fully invested in um, yeah. And the probe, I, I mean, that might as well not have happened. You know what I mean? Like that one was yeah. inconsequential in terms of everything else. Um, except, I guess, it tied to the Franklin one because part of the thing is he was, uh, he was, he had to be, he had to help them solve one of the questions that they were getting by, uh, you know, contacting medical people on Earth. So. Yeah, it did have some relevance. Yeah, that was what drove him back onto the stims again was not being able to get those questions answered, and he couldn't take it. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. It, it's but yeah, I, you know, it, it's one of those things where uh, on the whole, I, I it, it's a fine episode, not not one of my favorites. But the Jakar, the thing actually, the thing I like about the Jakar plot is I did 
catch a glimpse. What this was one where I didn't remember what happened this episode, but I did catch a glimpse of the synopsis when I was getting ready to watch it about how you know Jakar is standing among the Narn is threatened from threatened again, and it was just like I. You know, and I, at first I, when I read that, I'm like, oh, we already had that plot of his standing being threatened at the end of last season. But I like this was a very different threat to him. This was yeah. the Centauri threatening his standing in a, a different way. So it, it didn't feel in any way redundant with the one where they were challenging him to get in contact with their families. It, cool. was, it, was, it was something new. And I thought that storyline was really painting me a very clear picture of what's going on on the Harm, uh, Narn homeworld. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, it, you know, like, the, like the dialogue uh, when you know Londo is asking about the executions, you, you get a visual image of what's going on, and and I don't know, I find that very helpful for just sort of imagining what the you know the the conflict that's that's taking place here, and and so so that stuff was fine. The the probe not so much in the Franklin plot. I mean, there were moments I liked about that. Uh, to, to, you know, again, I, uh, my first note was don't do stims. So, you know, I wasn't really too, <laughs> too keen on that plot when it first hit, but there was a moment where Franklin's all exhausted and it, and it, and he's, you know, he's, it's like a typical kind of doctor type exhaustion situation where he, he's working, you know, it's the shifts and all that. And yeah. he, he excuses himself to go to the bathroom and he comes back and he's dancing and he's got all this energy. And it was a nice, I, you know, I was pretty impressed with the contrast he was able to establish I, in, in those. Yeah, days. I did. I did find that entertaining yeah. by itself. That was, that was a really, really funny kind of way to uh, bring it into the plot. Yeah. And Garibaldi's reaction to it. Garibaldi's just like, okay, yeah. I know what you were doing in there. <laughs> Well, and it was like so just a little bit out of character for Fred. Like Franklin is a ladies' man, so there is sort of that. I can sort yeah. of imagine him going up and dancing with somebody, but he's usually very businesslike, and so to have him, you know, sort of grooving <laughs> like that was 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 funny. Uh, it worked. It worked. It did. It did. And um, yeah, and, and I think I think that you know, like I said, it's it's a trite plot so far, but I, I think I think they handled it okay. I think I think the scene with him and Garibaldi for the most part. You know, it it was it was pretty well written, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> we'll see, but yeah, I don't know. Um, so, are there any any other thoughts you've got on this episode? Uh, no, not really. I think that was uh that was about it. And it's funny there weren't really that many standout episodes this time, but I felt really I like I like I told you when I emailed you, I had to keep going. You know, I I I, I yeah. got to three episodes. Uh, we were just going to originally do two. And I think, um, I, I think that, I don't know, just the overall plot kept me, kept me hooked in. And, and, and I feel like they're building to good things. I feel like this, this feels like a firm foundation for the rest of the season. So, yeah, you know, you can't have every episode be, you know, on the level of, you know, the, the long twilight struggle or coming of shadows or something. It's like, these are just good solid episodes for the most part that are moving the story forward and there were some really great quotes in that middle episode um the uh there was a, a like at the end of the elevator thing i think londo says i hate my life and uh shikar <laughs> so do i and uh and, and there was another moment where shikar says as the humans say up yours die um which you know i think he added the die part in himself and uh I don't know. There were, there were, you know, just like a. I just, I, I wrote a bunch of quotes from that episode down. I don't normally do that, and there were just lines that were catching my attention. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I uh, 
No, I, I'm into the season so far, definitely. And uh, uh, it's, but yeah, I, I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll so we're gonna we're gonna aim for three episodes next time. We've got passing through Gethsemane, voices of authority, and dust to dust for the uh, the next three. Okay. All right. So yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll buckle in and watch those episodes. And I guess we'll be back on Sunday as the next. Oh wait, we we're doing Classic Who on Sunday, aren't we? So, we are doing Classic Who again on Sunday. So yeah, I guess it'll be a it'll be a week before we. So maybe we need to do more than three. I don't know, but uh. <laughs> we'll figure. It, we'll sort it out after this episode is. Recorded. Or maybe we can figure another time to do it too. Yeah, That's we'll, possible. We'll find a solution. Um, but we do yeah. have to get the time in for the Classic Who as well. So. Yeah, I don't think I can wait a whole week at this point. How many episodes? But, uh, is, is Period of Mars a four or a six episode? Uh, uh, let me see. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we have that coming up. And uh, this Friday, I think we're, uh, we, we have a movie picked, but I, I can't, uh, I don't have it on hand right now. And um, and I, I think uh, we also have a podcast of a, of a, of a session from, uh, of, of the Ogre Gate game. Uh, which I think people might be interested in checking out. And so, I don't know, did you find out how many episodes there are on that one? or Four episodes. Okay, so that's so manageable. That's manageable. That is. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, we'll, we're going to head out, and we'll be back on. And until then, we will talk to you later. Bye.